0: I'm excited for that weekend that's coming up. Uh, So I just encourage you to register early. 500 is not a limit, but 500 is what we're praying for. So be in prayer with us uh, to see 500 people sign up. This is for all ages, too. This is for teenagers, too, for young people. So uh, during one of the prayer times, we really felt, I just felt the sense of young people, young people, young people. And that there is going to be a breakthrough, not just with the more mature generation in Erie, but the young people are going to be breaking out in just Holy Spirit fire and taking it to the colleges and to their high schools. And we're just really excited what's going to happen. And the Lord is just bringing together local churches to be one church, the big church. Yes, we all worship in different areas and different congregations, but the big C, I think, is what we called it. As we were praying, the Big C Church, not lowercase, not just Erie Christian Fellowship Church, but the Big C Church, the Bride of Christ, <laughs> the Bride of Christ, all laying everything else down, but joining and unifying together. So. Now, we are just super excited that that is what's coming up. Just another quick update. Uh, I know we talked about launching uh, kids ministry, specifically nursery again. Uh, I just want to give you guys an idea of timing on that. It's not like it's happening next week. Uh, We're still asking for additional volunteers. If you're interested in that, I believe we got four or five or maybe even up to six. We're looking for eight to get started uh, in nursery uh, ministry to get that back up and running. Uh, So if you are interested in that, Please come see us, see Andy or or Sid or or myself or Liz, anybody after church, and just uh, talk to us about that so we can begin to get you registered and get ready for the training. Uh, We're going to redo a few things in the room as well. And then I also mentioned, I think, two or three weeks ago about needing some cleaning and maintenance help. We did have somebody come forward and and ask how they could help. We still need additional help. So if that's you, uh, please see Don Johnson. Don, raise your hand there. Uh, After church today, and he'll be able to... uh, He'll be able to get that, uh, get you lined up. So I do have a quick testimony. Uh, It comes from my family, uh, and it's the importance of kids, yeah? The importance of kids and kids' ministry, and I know kids' ministry is not happening uh, per se in the rest of the church building, but kids' ministry is happening right here in the sanctuary, and we have to remember that, and sometimes we forget that, but kids' they are listening. Do you know that they are listening? (laughs) They might be coloring something, but they are listening and how do I know that they're listening? Well, we sang a song a couple weeks ago. I think Andy said it. I'm going to see a victory. You guys remember that song? We sang that recently. Well, I'm upstairs. I, was this, girls, was this yesterday or the day before? I'm upstairs sitting in my room, and I'm not sure exactly what I was doing, but from Maggie May's bedroom, all I hear is, I'm going to see a victory. Okay, she's three, guys, okay? I'm going to see a victory. For the glory belongs to the Lord. Like, okay, she's messing up the verse or the lyrics, but that's okay. What was happening is it was in her heart. And she hears it when she sits in here and she sits in her stroller. She's hearing and being fed and it's actually getting down on the inside. And she's singing it while drawing completely by herself in the other room. Because she's going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. That's just a wonderful testimony of what God is doing uh, in our young people. I want to pray over our offering this morning. I do have one scripture I like to read out of 1 Corinthians 15, and I believe it's verse 36. It says, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Ooh. Guys, we have to die to the sense that we can have complete control over our finances. And I think, the, look, the Lord doesn't need your 10%. He, he says he wants your 10%. He wants, because he knows it is good for you. Because we have to die to our this, this, this sense, especially in America, like, well, I'll just, I can just do it myself. I'll get it done. I'll get a separate job. I'll get three jobs, four jobs, five jobs, six jobs, seven jobs. I'll make a way to make it happen. He's saying, Lord, no, just die to that thought that you are your own provider. Because the last I looked in the Bible, it doesn't say be your own provider. It says work. It says work hard so that you can eat. Yes, there's things that we have to go do. But last I looked, Jehovah Jireh is my provider, which is another name for God is our provider. So we gotta set ourse- We got to set ourselves down with that. We have to die to that thought that we can do it on our own and say, you know what? Because once that happens, once, once we sow that and we say, Lord, you have it, have your way... That's when multiplication begins to happen. And I've seen from the beginning of when we started tithing as a family, 90% always goes farther than 100%. Come on, church. 90% always goes farther than 100%. You say, how is that possible? You can't, there's no math class. There's no professor professor at the local schools who will tell you, well, 90% is more than 100%. But in this church, and because of the word of God and his promises, 90% goes further than 100%. And I challenge you to get a hold of that revelation and truth. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness over our finances. Thank you for every gift and every giver. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you make 90% go further than 100%. So, Father, we just give it all to you. It's all yours anyway. So we give it all to you, Lord. We are distribution centers. And so we just ask that you lead us and guide us in our finances. We thank you, Lord, for every bill being paid, Father, and jobs being found where jobs need to be found. And, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful and so good. And, Father, as we come to begin to hear your word, Lord, and what you have for us this morning, Lord, I just ask That your word will be anointed today by your Holy Spirit for encouragement, conviction, and anything else you want to go do this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, open your Bibles to Luke 17. And uh, we did, so last week, Pastor Jim, I know he's not here, I heard he did a great job on the goodness uh, of God And how good God is. And and I appreciate that. And we came back from uh, the Lehigh Valley last week. We got to minister at the church we grew up in. In the Lehigh Valley in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So we were honored as guest speakers there. It was such a blessing uh, to be able to go do that. And go back and just minister to the church family in which we grew up in. But now this is our church family. And we missed you guys like crazy. And the interesting thing is... The Lord has just been orchestrating these messages over the summer. You know, we did the, uh, Jeremy Gall was here, we did a uh, message series on faith and the school of faith, and then Pastor Jack came in and did the flock of God, and then those two weeks I did the family of God and what it looks like. And as we were talking with Pastor Jack, and as, I know Brother Paul's not here, as we were talking with Paul... And as we are praying and believing and asking the Lord this, we, we are positioned and poised, ready to grow. Spiritually, <laughs> first and foremost. And we begin to ask and pray and seek and say, Lord, these sermon series that we're doing are not just by accident because you know, I got up one day and had a cup of coffee and, and Googled, like, what are the best sermon series to do for the local church? And then whatever pops up, I just go do. That's not how it happens. Through prayer, through God's leading, he begins to show me and the team where the sermon series needs to be. What does Erie Christian Fellowship Church need to hear, whether they like it or not? (laughs) Yeah, whether they like it or not. And the Lord revealed to us, several of us, one of the words actually came from Sid, I think one from Andy, a couple from Liz and from me. There were five things that have been holding this church back. Five things that have been holding this church back. And they're they're spiritual battles. It's not kids' ministry. It's not men's ministry, women's ministry, the size of the sanctuary. It's not because we don't have our debt paid off yet. There are five spiritual battles that our church is battling through and has been battling for a long time. And I believe the Lord is beginning to release me to begin teaching on some of those things. In fact, he showed me I've actually already been teaching on some of them. And we've been talking about some of them. Here are the five things. We are going to continue to pull down the strongholds of the spirit of fear. The spirit of pride. Come on, guys. The spirit of entitlement. The spirit of gossip. And the spirit of offenses. And we're gonna do a series now on offenses. I know we talked about faith a couple months back, you know, which is the opposite of fear, but I'm gonna focus the next couple of weeks on offenses. And what, do the, what does it look like? How does it manifest? How do we defeat that? How in our lives, whether it's, whether it's from our spouse or our kids or our boss or our pastor or whatever it is, how do we battle that and get victory over it so that we as, a, as people and you as an individual and us as a church can begin to move forward? Amen? And so here's what I have found out in talking with, uh, so we, we had some time to meet the friends, Matt and Jen Friend from New Beginnings Church. Uh, after prayer, we sat till 11 p.m.? Tuesday night, 11 p.m., talking to them. We talked to Pastor Jack. We talked to Pastor Nicole. This is not unique just to our church. <laughs> These things happen... At every church. And the reason that they happen is because they're the devices, they're the bait of Satan, as John Bevere calls. There are things that happen in the church and in relationship because Satan's job, what he wants to go do is to divide us. He he doesn't want to see unity amongst churches. He doesn't want to see unity amongst the body of Christ and in church families. He wants divisiveness. So he will bring spirits to try to come against those things of gossip and of offenses and of pride and of fear. Because his job is to try to disunify. And the Lord wants us to be unified. So this week's title is called The Scandalon. I'm not, I'm ch- okay, guys, I'm trying to get creative on my titles. There it goes. There's a spelling of it if you want to write it down. The scandal, I'm like, oh, man, what's he talking about this week? What's the scandal that's happening? Was it going? something going on with Biden? No, no, I'm not talking about Biden or Trump or anybody else. We're talking about the Word of God this morning. And so this week's title is called The Scandalon. You're going to be like, what, what, what is that? What are we? I'm going to get to it in just a minute. Are you guys at Luke 17? Did you guys get there? Okay. Before I start, I do want to give credit to the Bible for this message because it is good stuff. I also do want to give credit where it's due is John Bevere does a series called Bait of Satan, which is all about offenses. And I'd encourage you, if this, you know, these messages resonate with you, uh, I would encourage you to get his book. I have not read his book in a long time. We did a, we did a series a long time ago, uh, maybe like 15 years ago. On the bait of Satan. But some of this stuff is still, it's, it's still good, guys. Still good. And I did pull some of it uh, from David Wilkerson, from others, and just from life. <laughs> some life. Offenses happen in life, yeah? It happens in life. And I want to just kind of walk through that. So credit to the Bible first and foremost. Key scripture. Let's start here. Luke 17. When he said to the disciples, this is Jesus speaking. Look, look at this. It is impossible... ...that no offenses should come. Church, it's impossible. It will happen. You will have the opportunity to be offended... ...and you will offend somebody else. Look, church, this is like... ...unless you're perfect, unless you're Jesus... Nope, no hands. Okay. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's Jesus. Offenses will come from others, and you will be someone who delivers an offense. It says, but woe to him who through they come. I get it. We, it's, nobody has a, and maybe some of you do, I don't know anybody who has a goal like, you know what, I wake up this morning, I'm going to go offend a bunch of people today. Like, we need to have a discussion. You know, we need to have a discussion. Like, I don't, but it happens. It happens because of past hurts. It happens because of things people have previously said to us. It happens because of the way we're thinking is wrong. It happens because we're sitting in judgment over somebody else. There's a whole bunch of reasons on why it could happen. But here's what Jesus is saying. It's impossible that no offenses should come. So the Greek word that's used here is scandalon. Okay, what scandalon actually means, listen to this. It's the Greek word, and the translation is this it's the part or the trigger of the hunter's trap that holds the bait. It's the trigger that holds the bait. When we take that bait of offense, we trigger the enemy's trap. And knowingly or unknowingly, we become captive. To his will, which is Satan's will. Come on, church. It's a trap. And it's impossible that it's not, it means it's going to come. That means every single one of you needs to be ready for the trap. Every one of you needs to be like, hmm, I see that trap coming, right? You think of in my basement, like, you know, in the, in the fall time, you know, we put the traps out. I, I'm sorry. You know, we put, they're not the nice traps that allow me to release the mice later, But they're the not-so-nice traps, okay? But you think of what that trap is. It lures that mouse in. Mmm, that peanut butter. Where is that peanut butter smell coming from? Yeah? It lures it in, and as soon as it gets onto that bait, done. And what the enemy wants to do, what Satan is trying to do, is to lure you in with an offense. Take that bait so that mm, you are held captive by it. And your life begins to change. I'm going to show you some scriptures here in Matthew 24 in a little bit. But stay with me here. That Greek word, scandalon it's the bait. It's the bait. It's the trap. This offenses are an actual bait from Satan. The hardest ones we have to deal with are the ones who are closest to us. Right? Spouses, kids, bosses, pastors. Right? This is where we have we feel the biggest amount of offense when something comes after us. You know, in our, in our marriage, you know, we've told the story before. Like, for the first 11 of years of our marriage, like, I was, I don't know, I mean, just by the grace of God, what Liz needed, you know, as a husband, like, I just was calm, steady, reasonable, nice, loving, easy, thanks babe, don't give me, don't, don't fill in all the rest of the words here on the second part, but something at 11 years, like I just, I was struggling, it wasn't like a midlife crisis or anything, because I'm, psh, I'm just not even at midlife yet, amen, praise God, I got lots of years to go, but what happened was, is something began to stir on the inside, and the Lord began to do a work in me, looking back on it, I saw how the Lord was working in me, but I actually became a little bit of a jerk, The only one that could say amen to that comment is right here. I just, it was like, I don't know, like the Lord was working on things and I was struggling and it was her time to be able to choose to love me and to choose to not be offended when I walked into the room, not like Jesus, (laughs) when we just sang, right? when we walk into the room, no, when Jason walked into the room during my difficult times, I literally would grab the remote I'm putting the sports on, put the TV, like put whatever on. And people are in the room like, what happened to this guy? And I was struggling. And, and it, all of us, right, we've got times where we struggle. But what Liz had to do is she had to decide to not be offended at the behavior because it was someone closer and it was hurtful. Some of the things that I said and was, did, and did was, was, was could be this trap. It could be a trap. And she had to walk through that. So verse 2 says this, because this is hard stuff, yeah? This is difficult stuff. It says, verse 2, it would be better for him, so going back to this is someone who causes an offense, be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Like, the Lord is pretty serious about offenses because he understands and he knows that they are a bait and they' are a trap, and they lead not just to an offense, but I'm going to show you in a minute on what they begin to lead to, and it's devastating. And it's detrimental to our lives. Little ones in this case, in this ver- in, in talking about, it, it actually means believers. It actually means It belie- doesn't mean little kids, like, "Woe to you who causes the little one an offense." It actually means believers. And because this was the early church, it was talking about believers who were young in the faith, who were new in the faith. So woe to us who would offend a young believer. It says, take heed to yourselves, verse 3. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, go to him. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, I'm not walking through the total reconciliation process this week. You'll have to come back in future weeks. I'm probably going to do that in week three or four. But it says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. How many times are we supposed to forgive that person? Yeah. Not one time. Not two times. Not three times. Don't tell me how many times you had to forgive me during that time. But the Bible talks about 70 times 7. And you know the reference there that they're talking about 70 times 7 means basically infinity. It's not 490. You're like, "Mm, I know I did my math, 70 times 7 is 490, I'm at 489. I only got to forgive one more time, praise God, and then I can just hold on to the offenses moving forward. No, what 70 times 7 meant, it means just like, it's a lot. It's like you have to keep doing it. Even though it's difficult, we have to keep doing it. And if he sins against you seven times, verse four, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Church, we need to be a people who forgive. We need to be a people who don't take the trap of the offense. And many of us already have, and we're gonna walk through some steps here this morning to be able to begin to release that because it's important that we release it. I don't want anybody walking out of here holding on to something not Look, I don't want you walking out of here holding on to an offense. That doesn't mean what was done to you or said to you wasn't hurtful, wasn't difficult, wasn't something that should have never, never, never happened to you. I'm not saying you're going to be able to forget it. I'm not saying that it doesn't still have things that you've got to pray about and talk to. But I'm saying is we need to begin to release, release those who have done those offenses to us. We have to release them. Here's why we have to release them. Turn to Matthew 24. Man, I got a lot to talk about. It's only 11.35. We got time. Matthew 24, verse 4. I'd like the opposite need for glasses, okay? You know how some people put like the, the cheaters on so they can see close up? I can I can't see far away. So, this is why, I, if I take them off, now I can see. Look at that. Okay, side note the casual look. And Jesus, Matthew 24, verse 4. This is Jesus talking about the signs of the end of times. We see what's going on in Afghanistan, we see what's happening in Haiti. Please continue to pray for those countries. As a side note, do you know that Afghanistan is the second fastest growing church in the world? Next to who? Iran! Yeah, no, not the United States of America. Iran and Afghanistan, the, the, who's getting persecuted the most? Iran and Afghanistan. God is working his move, So pray for the safety, protection, and blessing for the church in those countries, uh, including Haiti as well, and all the stuff that's going on there. Total side note. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Again, we're talking about the end of times. I will deceive, and who will deceive many. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be pestilence. There will be earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Like, oh, not this message. Not the end times one. But guys, yeah, But we, guys, we're, we are continuing. Obviously, every day, we're continuing to get one day closer, right? But here, it looks, it gets worse. Look at verse 9. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Okay, all of this happening. All of this terrible thing's happening. Look at verse 10. And then many will be offended. We're talking about the last times here. We're talking about the end days. We're talking about, yes, earthquakes. See it. Christians getting persecuted. See it. Many will be offended In in the last days. It almost means that Satan's traps and baits that he's saving, he's setting it's actually increasing. they're going up because he understands the times they're in look the enemy knows the scripture just by the way because he uses the scripture to try to tempt Jesus okay he understands the scriptures many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. look at this offense leads to betrayal which leads to hate. this is like a this is like a process. When we take that bait and the offense is there and we grab hold of it and we hold on to it, it actually leads to worse things. The offense leads to betrayal. How We've seen this in relationships. And it leads to hate. And then look at verse 11. And then, and then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. The enemy wants us to be in offense so that we begin to get separated, we have disunity, and so that we are off by ourselves and we begin to get deceived by those who are not preaching the word of God. And when it's talking about here, it's not just pastors. This is the body of believers. We get deceived by other bodies of believers. We have to be very, very vigilant about this. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Oh my gosh. Offense to betrayal, to hate, to more offenses. Look at this. To lawlessness, to the love of many will grow cold. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Love one another. Love God and love one another. The ultimate The ultimate end game of the offense is that our love grows cold. That we actually become not like Jesus anymore because Jesus is love and was love and will always be love. It's like, man, do we have to get a revelation of this. Bible says, I don't have it up there in John 13, 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, look at this, verse 35, you can go look at it later, John 13, 35. By this, by our love for one another, which means we have to beat the offenses. We can't take the bait of Satan and the offenses. If we can beat that, look what happens. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. <laughs> If we love one another, the church so easily can love the world. Oh man, that poor person, that homeless person, I'm just going to love on them. I'm going to take care of them. Oh, I see that person who, you know, maybe they're, they they get paid for a living doing something that's, you know, not so good. And, you know, I want to love that person. Us showing the world love doesn't grow the church. It says that all will know and understand and begin to see the love of Christ when we love each other, the family of God. They're looking at us, and we're offended at each other. We, we speak hate speech to other denominations. We get upset if somebody says this or something that. Churches get split. Offenses happen. People leave church. They don't, I mean, I'm not talking about not, you know, hey, you're called to go to another church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you take some offense, and you don't deal with it and you walk away saying, that's right, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was just doing like a, you know, like a blah, 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 you know. And when we take those offenses, and we begin to get disunified with the body of Christ, and unbelievers see it. And they're just like, man, why do I want to be a part of that business? Verse 13, and still in Matthew 24, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Oh, enduring to the end. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as witnesses to all the nations. And then the end will come. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2. I'm going to get into the five things or so we want to do this morning. They're not long. 2 Timothy 2. I just want to give a biblical foundation first of this. 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps grants them repentance, so that they may know the truth, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Come to our senses, church, so we can escape the snare of offense, having been taken captive by him. Look at that. When we get stuck on the bait on the offense, we are taken captive by him, and to do what? By him to do his will. That's lowercase h. That's not God's will. When we get stuck in this trap... He has us, and we begin to do his will, the enemy's will. What's his will is to kill, to steal, to destroy, to divide. All the things that we just read in Matthew 24 of what offenses do. All right, Pastor Jason, tell me something I can go do. I got it. Okay, here we go. I love sports analogies. I love sports. Uh, Anybody hear the saying that offense wins games? And defense wins championships. So offenses, the bait of Satan, what he wants to go do, he's been winning some games. But defense, us learning and knowing how to prevent the enemy from getting down the field any further, is how we're going to win this championship. Amen? You got that? Can we remember that? It's the defense here. Yes, I know we're a church that speaks. We're a church that's on the offensive. I'm not, I understand that. I'm not saying we're not going to speak against strong. What I'm talking about is we have to understand what's happening, the enemy's offense, so that we can play the good defense and be ready. Okay, so here's the first thing we have to go do. Examine your heart. Most of us don't like to do that. You're like, eh, no, don't want to do that. We have to. You have to examine your heart. You can write this scripture down, Psalm 7, 9. It says, oh, let the wickedness of the wicked one come to an end, but establish the just for the righteous God, tests the hearts and minds. God wants us to examine our heart. Many of us don't want to touch it because the pain was too much. I understand that. But we have to begin to let these offenses go. How do you know? How do you examine your heart? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are speaking about someone, a church, you're standing in judgment over something, you see that person, you do one of those, you know, you know those little things on the inside, you're like, "Mm." when you see that person, and you see them in the grocery store, and you're like, you go, Okay, come on, guys. Just only I've done that? Come on. I know you're just like, you see someone in the grocery you're like, oh, no. You're holding something there, not because you don't want to talk, you're holding something there. Now, sometimes it might just be you're in a rush and they talk a lot and you're just trying to get out. Okay, I'm just being honest, okay? That might happen, I get that. But there's times where you have this little ping on the inside that you're just like, eh, when you see somebody, you're like, eh, eh. And how you're speaking, if out of your heart, comes the overflow of your mouth. What you're saying out of your mouth is an indication of where your heart is. So when you begin talking about someone, if you're not talking about them in love, then you're holding on to something called an offense that's actually holding you back. It's actually holding you back. So this morning, I got five points. It's just number one. So hold on for a second. This morning, right now, I just want you to ask God. Just take a moment. The Bible says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Ask God right now, just take a minute. Is there any offense in your heart? Are you holding on to unforgiveness towards someone who has hurt you or disappointed you? Ask the Lord to show you that. You probably already know who it is. Just be still for a minute. Listen. And then just take a moment now. Begin to release, release those people and the situations to the Lord. Father, we ask, Lord, for your forgiveness for holding on to an offense. Father, we invite you into that place in our heart as we release that offense to that person. Father, we also know that the pain may not leave immediately, but that's okay, that this is just one step in the step of faith to reconciliation. So, Father, examine our hearts this morning. Lord, make this be a habit that we do, not just on Sunday morning, but every day. Let us not keep, let offenses stay or stick. Let us not take that bait. In Jesus' name, amen. To forgive, I'm not taking credit for this quote. This is somebody else, but to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was you. To forgive is to set the prisoner free only to find out that the prisoner was you. When you hold on to that offense and that unforgiveness, it's actually holding you back. Not them, it's holding you back. All right, step 2. Adjust your expectations. The rest of these I'll hit pretty quick. You gotta remember the opening verse, Luke 17, 1, Jesus said, It's impossible that no offense should come. So adjust your expectations. When somebody says something and you are having ready to be offended by something, you gotta be like, mm, Jesus told me it's gonna come. Your spouse says something, you're just like, Offenses will come. Don't take it. Don't take the trap, don't take the bait. You have to adjust your expectation knowing that it's going to come. It will come. And it's going to come and be most hurtful from the people who are closest to you. If someone you don't know on the street, you have never met before, you know, would come up to me like, you know, Pastor Jason, I don't like that that top shirt is unbuttoned. I don't like it that you didn't tuck in your, your you know, your shirt today, that your beard's too long and you're wearing glasses. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Whatever. You know, but if Liz would get on and be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you looking like that? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, I could, you could take it. Not that she would ever do that. She thinks I look pretty good in this outfit, yeah? Okay. She already told me that. <laughs> Insights into our marriage. It's like, boy, you look good today. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I wouldn't be bothered by somebody else criticizing or saying something. But when it's someone close to you, is where it hurts the most, and I get that. It hurts. We have to adjust our expectations. Do we have an expectation? Think about it for a minute. Do you have expectations on on those closest to you that are impossible? Do you have an expectation that your spouse is never going to offend you? My sibling is, you know, I'm going to always walk in unity with everybody I ever come into contact with. It's impossible because offenses will come. So we have to adjust our expectations. The next thing we got to do is we have to demolish strongholds. Come on, church. We have to demolish strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to make it obedient of Christ. Every thought. You know the word stronghold there? The term that they use there is describing a castle or a fortress that is very thick. We have to pull down strong. There are some of us who have had offense strongholds up for a long, long time. And a wall has been built up, and it's time that we begin to tear those down. In fact, this, it's almost, it's talking about, if you look at that word in the Greek, it's an impenetrable wall built to keep intruders out. But that's what we do in our hearts, right? If someone keeps offending us, what do we do? We put up the wall. We put up the wall. It gets thicker and gets bigger because we don't want the offense, but that God is calling us to not take those offenses and begin to reconcile. And we'll talk about those in future weeks on how we actually go do that. None of us like to get hurt. And most of us typically avoid pain wherever possible, right? So when someone offends us, we're often, even in our subconscious, we begin building and erecting walls in our relationships to protect ourselves. Here's what David Wilkerson said. He's a noted author, pastor, prophet, love the end times. He says this, a stronghold is an accusation planted firmly in your mind. A stronghold. Satan establishes strongholds in God's people by implanting in their mind lies, falsehoods, and misconceptions. So we take what someone says, and we don't even stop to think of the heart behind it, or what do they really mean, or what are they thinking, or maybe they had a bad day, and we immediately just bring it in and take it, and accept it. We took the bait. The devil may try to convince you that you have a right to hold on to every bitterness because you've been wronged. He'll try to destroy your marriage by persuading you. You can't endure this relationship any longer unless your spouse changes. If you keep listening to these lies, you'll begin to believe them after a while. You know, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, the, faith, the kind of faith that we want. But when we begin to listen to the lies of the enemy over and over and over, we begin to believe them even though they're not true. The walls that we have built to protect ourselves from being hurt again, What walls do you have this morning that you need to begin to tear down? Recognize those lies of the enemy. Demolish the stronghold with the word of God. God will help you with this. God will help you with this. The next one is we have to break the chain reaction. So number one was examine your heart. Number two, we have to adjust our expectations. Number three, we have to demolish the strongholds. Four, we have to break the chain reaction. You saw that scripture in Matthew 24, the process on how this happens. And if we don't take a stand somewhere today, starting today, and as we study this over the next couple of weeks, we begin to examine our hearts and we commit to not taking the bait of offense anymore and begin working through this in our lives. We have to break the chain reaction. You know, I believe it's the Jordan River that flows into both the Sea of Galilee and also the Dead Sea. What's the difference between those two seas? The Sea of Galilee has life. The Dead Sea has no life. Why does it have no life? Because it doesn't flow out anywhere. So if we allow these offenses and this beta Satan and these things that happen in our life, if we don't release them and have them flow out of our lives, our lives become stagnant, stale, and dead. But if we can recognize these things that are happening in our lives and begin to deal with them and process them and shed them, what happens? The Sea of Galilee. Life life more abundantly. The last one here for this morning is to pursue unity. We have to make it a point to pursue unity. It says in Ephesians 3 or 4 verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We must bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another this out of Colossians, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Jake, you want to come up here as we close? Church, over the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk more about this, talking about specific strategies on what we can do when, with someone and get reconciliation in those. This week is just to get your hearts prepared, get ready, to begin examining yourselves. What is it? What offenses am I holding on to? What offenses have I taken? I've just been holding on to these things. It's time to begin to break those strongholds. It's time to begin to walk in freedom and in life in this area. So bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you, Father. Father, we just release offenses to you. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, through our time with you and in the word, Lord, that we will recognize the baits and the traps that the enemy has been setting. And Lord, this week, this month, this year, from now and forevermore, Lord, as we see that trap clear as day in front of us, that we don't take that bait. Lord, your word says that it's impossible for offenses not to come, so we know that they're gonna come. So Lord, I just pray you would strengthen us to see. And when we've already taken one and we got stuck in the trap, that you are a good God, you are a living God, and you don't want us to stay there. You want us to be free from that trap. So Lord, as we examine our hearts this week, as we forgive this week, as we demolish strongholds this week, as we pursue unity this week, that we would be able to release those who have offended us. To release those who have caused us pain. We know the pain won't necessarily disappear or the memory of it won't disappear. But I truly believe that the pain of it will begin to lighten. So Lord, we need you in this. We can't do this on our own. And I ask, Lord, that you would be with us this week. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have some prayer teams that are going to come up here this morning. Uh, Andy, I don't know if you could be one of the prayer teams up here. I believe Chet uh, had to leave. Uh, Maureen, if you want to come up as well. And some of the ladies and maybe even uh, whoever else I think we've talked about from a prayer perspective. If you guys could come up this morning, I know Paul's not here. But if you say this morning, I've never, you know, all this talk about Jesus, we're singing, when you walk into the room, Jesus, you change everything. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you said, I can't do this on my own anymore, you're right, you can't. It is impossible. It is impossible to walk through this life without Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you need Jesus, and you want to make that decision to say, I want Jesus in my life, I'm going to come down here this morning. I'll be right at the bottom of the steps. I want you to come up and talk with me. If you need prayer for anything else, or you need prayer for healing, relationship, someone to agree with you to just be able to release an offense that you've held on to, these guys up here, will be able to pray with you and agree with you. I want to end with this benediction. So just bow your heads, just receive this benediction this morning. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives the victory, guys. He will give you the victory in these situations, in these offenses. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, Father, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray a blessing over this church this week, that you begin to unify even a stronger bond between us. And, Father, that we would be aware of the trap of the enemy, We will not hold on to or take offenses. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. We will see you, young adults, we'll see you on Tuesday night.